0: lani diane rich and i'm dr kelly jones and this is big strong yes welcome to big strong yes the show where we share our journey of reading three books that are inspiring us to embrace courage creativity and the call to adventure rising strong by dr Brené brown big magic by elizabeth gilbert and Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Today's reading is Year of Yes, Chapter 8, Yes
1: to My Body. And next week's reading is Year of Yes, Chapter 9, Yes to Joining the Club, and Chapter 10, Yes, Thank You. Go to chiprish.com and search Big Strong Yes Schedule to find all the information about what we're reading and when. So, Kelly, last week we started this new thing, right, Mm -hmm. where we are assigning each other homework on the fly
0: <laughs> yeah and i'd like to know how that worked out for you well <laughs> my homework was 15 minutes of joy every mm-hmm. day which sounds like fun yes but trying to choose something like wore me the fuck out <laughs> And then i realized i might have been overthinking it no yeah maybe <laughs> a little who would have thought right And so I just calmed the hell down Mm -hmm. and did the thing that is as easy for me as breathing and always brings me joy and went to the books. Mm -hmm. So reading with the book in my hands, curled up on the couch with a cup of tea, candles lit, phone off, just me and the pages and the words and the ideas and the stories. And that is holy communion with joy. Oh, I love that. And it might have been more than 15 minutes. Good. (laughs) So... Cause you lose time, yeah, right? Like mm-hmm. when you, when you fall into something like that—that's peaceful and mm-hmm. joyful at the same time. So I don't even know. I know it was a minimum of fifteen minutes.
1: Well, that's all we needed—a minimum of fifteen minutes.
0: Yeah, I might have done some extra credit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the book that I settled with this week was actually a book I stumbled on on accident at the bookstore that I had no idea existed, that I love with my whole heart, that I believe was written just for me. Um, it's called The Dharma of the Princess Bride. with mm-hmm. the coolest fairy tale of our time can teach us about Buddhism and relationships by Ethan Nickturn. I mean, swoon. I like, love it. It's so awesome. And I have had so much fun reading it. So my homework was just, you know, curling up and reading the book. And It was great. Oh, good. (laughs) Good. I'm so glad. It was great. So what about you? How was your homework? Because I think my name might have been cussed a few times (laughs) in the doing of your homework this week. (laughs) Well,
1: the homework that you assigned me was to talk to my kids and ask them what the favorite part of me being their mom was for them, right? Yes. And and I didn't do it, and I didn't do it, and I didn't do it. And then earlier this afternoon... (laughs) (laughs) because Mm -hmm. i knew we were recording this (laughs) i sat them down i gave them the microphone and i just i didn't write it down because i uh, i couldn't but you know but i sat them down with the microphone and so i recorded this
2: my favorite part of having you for a mom i mean like there are a million things um (laughs) so it might take me a minute to pick one uh (laughs) I mean, you're always like really supportive of me and it's always very clear that you genuinely want what's best for me and you make and you make the effort to like be a positive influence in my life. And it's clear Mm -hmm. and I really appreciate that and I appreciate that you're always here for me Um And you've just, like, really been a genuinely positive force in my life. And I'm really grateful to have you around. So. thank
1: you. See, you could have said something snarky, like, because I let you eat pizza all the time.
2: (laughs) That's also nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't I raise you to be snarkier than that? What are we doing with all the sincerity? That's not right.
2: (laughs) My bad. That's not how (laughs) I didn't raise you to be that sincere <laughs> thank you sweetheart
1: i love you i love you too hello so um okay so the homework is that i'm supposed to ask you what your favorite part of having me for a mom is so uh-huh. I, I, I know like
2: kelly
1: this was not my idea
3: uh first of all thank you kelly <laughs> for this uh interesting situation that i've just been thrown into <laughs> um Well, I mean, do you mean like right now or like growing up or like whatever? Okay. Well, I mean, I've told you this before and you refuse to believe it, but I (laughs) I mostly credit you for my independence and my ability to think critically Mm -hmm. and my um me putting myself into situations too and not just letting people push me around but still trying to be fair to everybody else that um I think that just the way you raised me was a huge part of that just like I don't know um just your encouragement when I was a lot younger and now um it's really fun to just hang out with you especially when we're um making fun of things together (laughs) (laughs) um probably uh when you're making fun of random shit is a lot of fun um yeah when you do your funny rants it's a lot of fun um and just being able to like enjoy everything together in an honest environment where we're not like trying to be whatever just accepting I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um <laughs> got lost in words. Hello. That's okay. That um but yeah, okay. My brain it's like the the that's brain right. train is not on the tracks anymore. Yeah, that's all right. that's <laughs> um,
1: it's a weird question I to ask know. It's Kelly's fault.
3: If I had time to prepare <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Mom You like to prepare
1: for
3: things. <clears throat> I do, I do indeed. Um
1: Okay, I think you said enough. Okay. It's good. I'm Kay. good. It's just the thing she made me do. Yeah. So it's good.
0: Thank you. Okay. I love you. Love it too.
1: So I love their voices.
0: I love this so much. This is so wonderful. And they are so wonderful. And I'm so glad you recorded it.
1: I'm glad I did too. Because I mean, writing it down would be one thing. But like, I love hearing their voices, you know. And so it's like easier for me, I think, to do this homework if I'm letting them do it for me. Mm -hmm. So I I actually had my kids do my homework for me. So I I love it. it. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) But it was, you know, like. It was uncomfortable for me. Like you can hear me in the background, you know, being mm-hmm. completely awkward and uncomfortable in this whole thing. Like, what's yeah. your favorite part about me? You know, <laughs> I
0: love the. Oh, this is all Kelly's fault. <laughs> right, this is all Kelly's That's fault. Great. I threw
1: you under the bus hard. I threw That's you okay. under the bus hard in that. Um, um, but yeah, no, it was it was very sweet, and they they gave very good answers, of course, because they're brilliant. And you know, and I'm glad. I think that those were great answers, and they're the kind of answers that I would want them to have. You know, I mean, teaching them to think critically to value their own perceptions you know it's one of the most important things to me so I was really glad to um to have that and I think that it was you know it was good mm-hmm. like I still like it's going to take me a long time I think because they are such amazing kids and I feel like they you know deserved better but I'm uh I know, but it's going to take me a while. You're just going to have to give me time. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, sorry. but
0: I'm glad you have the recording because you can listen to it. Yeah. At once. Yeah. And, and they are such great responses, and I'm really proud of you for doing it, and I'm really glad that they played along. But what they told you is the truth, yeah. and those are authentic answers, and I hope that you can listen enough and really accept those as truth. That is their reality of yeah. having you as their mother, and you're a great mom. What I love about this too is the homework got a little infectious, mm-hmm. um, and we had some folks on Discord and Twitter who took this challenge up too. Yeah, with their kids, and and then I thought, well, if you you know if you don't have children, like you can still do this. Ask your best friend. Yeah, you know, ask your spouse, ask a coworker. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite part of me in this role? I think it's a great exercise, and like I said, I used to assign it to students who would, I think, go in the hallway and all cuss me out in the <laughs> class, um, <laughs> but it never failed to return, you know, kind of a positive Yeah results i'm really glad that you that you did it
1: oh thank you it was it was it was difficult and i was very uncomfortable and i resisted it the whole way and i threw you under the bus and i'm sorry but i
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's the best thing to have homework and i will have that
1: (laughs) recording you know to listen to Um, in the future which is going to be really nice
0: i love that so much
1: yeah i love it all right so then we move into our reflections in the past week and how did your reflections go
0: See, here's the thing. <laughs> when you give me easy homework, mm-hmm. my reflections kick my ass. Aww. Because that's just apparently how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> And I can't read anything without it opening 12 different windows in my brain. Yeah. And, it, you know, everything opens new ideas, which opens new thoughts. And I can mm-hmm. never turn it off and it never stops. And the last couple weeks have been, yeah. I don't know. A Maybe little intense. A little intense. Yeah. <laughs> but we've received a lot of stories mm-hmm. about abuse. And being the recipient of these stories is a sacred thing. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's it's great. And I want to thank everyone who has sent them to us. And, and I'm honored to be receiving them. But we've also witnessed a lot of discussions and discord. Mm-hmm. And some of the topics of conversation mixed with the shared vulnerability of those stories mixed with my own struggle to recover from this explosive integration yes. <laughs> mixed with some soul searching mixed with saltwater of tears that are still coming mm-hmm. mixed with poetry and maybe whiskey and <laughs> mixed with like love and support from friends and feeling like an emotional live wire mm-hmm. kind of led me to the verge of like another storm. And thank God this one did not include nine hours <laughs> of constant <laughs> sobbing, but <laughs> it's like, I mean, come on, yeah. heart, my heart, when is enough? <laughs> enough? I know, right? And then, and then we had this week's reading. Yeah. And this chapter, y'all, like of all the chapters and all the books and all the podcasts in all the world, this one just had to be in mind. Yeah. And the idea of saying yes to my body engulfed me in a shame storm the size of a hurricane and I sort of panicked. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the closest I have ever come to asking you if we could just cancel an episode of B S Y like, let's just skip this one. And yeah. Go on to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when I realized, Okay, this is badass or encouraged, you gotta talk about the thing. Yeah. Then it like completely became this need to talk about not being a moral center
2: mm-hmm.
0: of not being a moral example. So I didn't do BSY to set an example for morality, but to model vulnerability in real time. Mm-hmm. And the advocacy that it's led to does not make me a spokesperson for morality. <laughs> and so I thought of this and like read some of the comments that we've received and reread the blog post that I wrote about teachers mm-hmm. and started looking over my own behaviors and faults and then started questioning my own worthiness as a podcaster, as a teacher. As a speaker, as a parent, as a woman, as a friend, as a person, uh, y'all, this shame storm is real. Oh <laughs> and that bitch likes to spiral and spin you out into dark space. Mm-hmm. And badassery alone is not enough yeah. when, you're, when you're facing, you know, that kind of, that kind of shame storm. But I've learned how to sh- stop mm-hmm. a shame storm. You know, I've learned how to call down the lightning in this goddamn arena. And I know that shame cannot survive the light of empathy. Yeah. So I took this shame to Friends I Trust. And I was able to say, because I've learned how to write an FSD now and I can read it to people. Yes. uh, (laughs) Like, this chapter has triggered every shame demon I have. (sighs) also bsy 24 is a thing and right. <laughs> like, i feel like i should be a strong example but i am not now nor will i ever be a strong moral compass mm-hmm. and i think i need to start this next episode by telling everyone all the things i've ever done wrong so that they will all know that <laughs> And my friends listened, and unanimously they said no Kelly <laughs> no <laughs> you do not need to go on the show and talk badly about yourself you're not Mary Poppins or Mother Teresa and you've never pretended to be
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so one of my one of my good friends said being imperfect does not mean that you can't point out injustices and it mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't be honest about the real abuses that you've suffered yeah. and another friend pointed out that you and I are here exhibiting friendship and support and empathy mm-hmm. and that's what we're here to do yes And so I thought, okay, I'm not here on BSY as a teacher. Like, that's not my role. Mm -hmm. I'm here seeking my own truth and sharing that vulnerability in real time. And sometimes my truth is messy and sometimes it's ugly, but I'm not hiding from it anymore. Good for you. Mm -hmm. I am far from perfect. So far, that, like, if you want to dive into self-righteousness by judging someone else's mistake, I can be your girl. (laughs) Like, I mean, (laughs) I have a past. Hell, I have a present that is full of mistakes, and, mm-hmm. but I don't really pretend otherwise. I'm no saint. Me and Billy Joel, we're over there laughing with the sinners. Right. And the thing is, I think that's part of the problem women face when it comes to sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not a saint, society tells you you deserve what you get. Yeah. But that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, it is. You know, and I told myself that story for a long time. And I let society tell that story to me too. Mm -hmm. But fuck that story. (laughs) Because (laughs) I have been abused at different times in my life. And none of that shame is mine. And I refuse to carry it for the people who chose to do that abusing anymore. Good for you. I am flawed in so many ways. I mean, so, so (laughs) many ways. But none of that makes the things that were done to me okay in any way. No, it doesn't. And my moral code may have a little more openness and fluidity to it, but I do have some lines, Mm -hmm. you know, like I will never present ideas without citing sources. Mm -hmm. Some people do not consider that holy work. I do. It is.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: I will always do the fucking reading and I will do my research. Mm -hmm. And if I love you, I will lay with you in the dark when you need me. No questions asked. You know, I'm open-minded and I'm empathetic. And that empathy is hard won and it's mine. Mm -hmm. And unless you hurt me or someone that I love, if you bring me shame, I will give you back empathy. Mm-hmm. And if you share affection, I will return it. And if you come to me seeking ideas or knowledge or inspiration, I will try my best to wrap you in those things fiercely. And if I am your teacher, I will do everything I can to encourage your confidence and your love of learning. But I'm not here on BSY as a teacher. Mm-hmm. That may also be all like I'm not a moral compass by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> that may be all the lines I've got. <laughs> so They're good lines though. Right. But to get out of the shame storm, like I realized I needed three magical ingredients. Mm-hmm. So I needed this empathy from friends. I needed wise words from a book and I needed a writing prompt. And so the friends helped me see that my real fear here was facing this chapter I mean, dear God, this reading. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh And the reading from the book inspired this week's closing quote mm-hmm. that we'll get to at the end. And the writing prompt, I'm blaming on you. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you asked me for a
1: writing prompt and I gave you one.
0: <laughs> yes, you did. And so I took it and wrote what I thought was like a shame-filled SFD. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah
0: that the people that have read it have not interpreted it that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And as much as sharing my writing terrifies me, you know, this is a podcast about courage, goddammit. it. And so I'm yep. going to read it.
1: <laughs> Good for you. I think it's show. amazing. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh my God. All right, here we go. And this is when I need wine and I don't have any. I know that sucks. I'm sorry, baby. All right. So the prompt was, there's a crack in everything. It's how the light gets in. And this was my response. I always thought there was a hole in me or more than a hole really, more like a wall, missing from the mysterious self-stuff that forms our integrity and boundaries and lines. Maybe it's a missing door, a gap that never closes, that I can never seal completely off, that's always open to anyone willing to walk around a little in search of a less secure entrance. I don't have strong walls. I am impulsive verging on reckless, I give it to temptation far more often than I resist it. I overindulge on everything that makes me feel good. And if you're hanging out with me, I will encourage you to do the same. This also makes me very damn fun to hang out with. If you seek certain things, you'll have a good time with me. You'll feel more awake, more creative, and more inspired. You'll feel sexier and wildly encouraged and deeply cared for, too. When you're with me, you'll laugh more and talk more and drink more and find your way pretty damn quickly into my bed or someone else's (laughs) because I am supercharged with romantic energy and that's just hard to resist after a while. I'll make you feel like you're on vacation because the runnings and routines of daily life bore the ever-loving hell out of me or like you have the complete attention of a guru who believes in you and your unique abilities. Honestly, because I do and I'm a fierce encourager or like your imagination has been dialed up to eleven because I love helping people tap into their creative energy. Or that your sexuality is a new form of poetry, because it can be, and chances are, I'll be happy to read it with you. Or like new things are possible, because visioning is my favorite form of play, and I want you to play too. I'll take your hand and lead you in search of magic, baby, and it will be all kinds of fun. But I'll do this even if you're married, or even if we both need to be at work early the next morning, or even if there's laundry that desperately needs to be done at home. Or even if the loving of you will end up hurting me in the long run. I don't have strong walls. So how do I turn the gaping hole into a crack that's wide enough to let a little magic in without being big enough to bring the ceiling crashing down on a regular basis? How can I wrangle a free spirit into something that is not a force of destruction? How can I let the light into my own kind of darkness?
1: Yeah, I love that. Ugh. I think that's so fantastic. And as soon as I heard that, I wrote you back, and I was like, "You are a trickster goddess." <laughs>
0: My face so red right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love that. And the thing is that, like I, you know, like everybody else who read it, I didn't see shame in that. It felt like a a glorious claiming of who you are. And the way that you encourage people and the way that you bring life and light to people. And I don't see that as darkness. I just, I don't see that in you. What I see is this sprightly energy, you know, the trickster goddess saying, bring it on, baby. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Right. And I I think that's so
0: wonderful.
1: (laughs) Like, so when I read that, I didn't, I didn't get shame from that at all.
0: Which was amazing to me because having you say that sort of made me relook at a lot of things. Yeah. Um, But this was, you know, prompting from last week's discussion Mm of, you know, being afraid of the things that I like or the things that I see in myself and Mm -hmm. reframing that in a different sort of way. Where I mean, obviously some of this is exaggerated, (laughs) but but writing what started out as an SFD Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and trying to kind of channel it through some sort of. Self-understanding and sharing it Mm -hmm. and then getting back this response of someone saying, hey, you know what, this is actually a good thing. Here's a different way to look at it Mm -hmm. was really amazing for me.
1: Well, that's great. So how did you feel, you know, when you looked at it through the lens of the trickster
0: goddess? Well, then I thought it was freaking cool. It is cool. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like seeing myself that way is still yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, you know, I thought, well, she's just being nice to me because she's Lonnie and she loves oh, me. God. So she's being nice to me. <laughs> um, cause that voice is always there. Right. Um, and I still can't believe I'm reading something on a podcast. I mean, like, I, I oh God, I don't even have words, but I think it's good to start trying to use writing In a way that's real. I want to write. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to do. And part of that is going to have to be sharing the stuff that I write, even when it's mortifying. (laughs) So (laughs) But it's so
1: great though. Like you are such a fantastic writer. You have such a wonderful way of expressing these ideas with this really I love it, this sprightly energy. It's fantastic.
0: I appreciate it. And thank you for the prompt and for reading it and for encouraging me to do it here so. Oh yeah. Good. Oh boy. Yeah. We'll draw the line at actually reading poetry on the show but like <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So. Oh, I that's, that's it. wonderful. I've now talked for an hour and a half. It's your turn. Um, <laughs> oh, your reflections this week.
1: <laughs> oh god, mine were not nearly as fun as yours. Yours were really fun. <laughs> mine were just I'm 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 so tired. Like I I, I don't think I've ever been this exhausted and not just like physically exhausted, but like emotionally exhausted in my life. You know, I texted you earlier this week saying I spent my whole life avoiding this and now it's Mm -hmm. here, you know? And you were like, well, what does that mean? And I had to explain it to you. And it was like, That chipper Lonnie, that bright-sidey Lonnie, the Lonnie who sees the good in everyone and the bright side to every situation, like, that was also denial Lonnie. Like, that was a Lonnie who didn't want to acknowledge that her first marriage wasn't working, that her mother had been emotionally abusive, that her second husband was one of the most truly evil people she'd ever known. Uh You know, Lonnie, that Lonnie was trying to, like, really fight to stay chipper, to stay bright-sidey because underneath all of that denial was a truth so ugly and so powerful that it could take her down. And that's what it did. I had this explosive integration and it brought me down. (laughs) Like again, here I am on the floor in the arena, bloody face, you know, dirty hands. Um, That part inside of me that had been screaming, you know, all along that everything was not okay, finally won out. And now there's no more screaming inside. But I'm looking at the reality of the world that I live in and the life that I've led. And it's horrifying to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that there weren't good times. I mean, there were. Like, Fish and I had some real fun along the way. We had some good times. He's a good guy. You know, we had two amazing young girls. And that's incredible, you know, and my mother neglected me emotionally and was, you know, fairly awful to me on a regular basis. But, you know, I had a home and, and food and that woman, for all of her faults, worked her ass off every day as a single mother to provide those things for me. So maybe she didn't exactly love me, but, you know, she didn't kick me out on the street to fend for myself at like 15 or anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And number two, I mean, there were fun things, you know, what he did to me was awful, but there were reasons why I loved him, you know, and it's just that those reasons existed alongside some really dark, really abusive shit that I denied, and that created that separation, you know, within me that had to explosively integrate recently (laughs) and cause all of this, so... Now I'm like, I'm not denying anything anymore. I mean, all the energy that I used to put into that is no longer required. And so maybe this is just like the crash side of that, you know, when you borrow the energy from the future to make it through the day, and then you're done. It's a crash, you know, but what Mm -hmm. it feels like is depression, like it feels like this overpowering sadness and exhaustion that I just can't kick. It feels like every minute of every day is so goddamn hard that I'm not sure that I can do it for even one more minute, that I can crawl through the day. And I don't know, like I've never in my life lived a day where I wasn't denying something, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to exist without that denial. I don't know how to be me without being like chipper and bright-sighty, you know? And right now I look at the world and I see horror and despair and the reality of my life and my experience and all of this trauma and the fucking goddamn piece of garbage shit man that Trump is ruining people's lives right and left, which I can't even deal with that, you know? And I don't think that being in denial was a good thing, but being connected to this reality, like, is not good. (laughs) I'm not feeling good about this, you know? I used to be able to find solace and escape, you know, in the work in talking about stories and that solace is still there, but it's nowhere near as powerful as it used to be when I could hide within it, when I could deny everything else, you know, and it's constantly interrupted by exhaustion and, and crying and panic that I'm never going to be me again, you know, because like Chipperlani was maybe like full on in this denial, but I liked her. You know, yeah. she was awesome. She was fun. <laughs> like and i don't even know like who i am anymore and i'm afraid to find out and like i did the hard thing i did the right thing i did the brave thing i spoke i know all of that i know that this was something that had to happen but right now i just feel lost and hurt and damaged and scared like all the time and i don't know how to come back from that mm-hmm. and this shit for me like is getting old. I am tired of feeling this way, you know. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like there's a destination here. Like I'm I'm moving towards something. Like I have okay. this friend, and you know, we'll call her Julia, who was like many of us, stressed out a lot. She, you know, was in her late 40s at the time that like, you know, the story I'm talking about happened and she was upset, she was unhappy, she was uncomfortable with her life and everything in it. And she went about her day, went to work, did her thing, and then got up the next day and dragged herself through it all again. And one day during this time, Julia called me saying that she wanted to kill herself, you know? Oh, God. And here's the thing about me. Like, I don't have any time for suicide. You know, Mm -hmm. I grew up with a best friend, we'll call her Melissa, who tried to kill herself multiple times throughout our childhood. And, you know, for good reason. Melissa's mother was an alcoholic. One of her mother's boyfriends had sexually assaulted her. A different one had beaten her. You know, she was date-raped at 19. She lived with a guy at 22 who beat her with a frying pan and left her on the lawn for dead for the neighbors to find. Oh at 26, she got pregnant. She told the father, and he punched her in the stomach. Like, mm. this is the shit that would happen oh to this girl. God. And she tried to kill herself through all of that a lot. And when she did, you know, I would go visit her in the psych ward of the hospital. i try to make her laugh. You know, that was my job. Make her laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. But... After that experience with Melissa, you know, growing up with that when I was a kid, after getting so many middle of the night phone calls, when Julia called me crying, saying she wanted to kill herself, you know, I got off the phone with her and I called her sister because I wasn't there where she was. You know, I was in a different part of the country and I I told on her, you know, and she was not going to kill herself like not on my watch because what I learned from Melissa is that most people in despair... Do not want to kill themselves. People who are actually going to really, for real, kill themselves usually feel pretty happy. They found their way out and they're taking it. They're calling you and saying, Hey, would you like my priceless collection of original Beatles albums? You know, people who are crying and talking about killing themselves are just in despair and they want you to stop them. But, you know, I told on her. And after that, Julia didn't speak to me for like four months, you know, and I thought I had lost her forever for betraying that trust. But in the end, that's not what happened. I mean, she got the help. She faced her shit. She pulled herself up and she decided that she just did not have any more fucks to give. (laughs) She turned 50 (laughs) and she has been like amazingly happy ever since. All because she has no fucks to give. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, she's done. (laughs) And so I'm looking at this, and I'm seeing myself, I mean, I'm not suicidal, like I would, I would never do that for a million reasons. But you know, number one are my kids, like just would never do that, you know?
2: Sure.
1: But I'm hoping I'm desperately hoping that underneath all of this pain and despair and exhaustion and sadness that I'm feeling that if I just keep digging through it, eventually, I will hit the no fucks bedrock you know? So I put this layer of chipper denial bullshit over, you know, the layer of pain and despair and exhaustion and sadness that, you know, I didn't want to face. And now I'm, I'm cut through that and I've cut through the denial and I'm in the middle of the, the sadness and despair. But maybe if I keep going like underneath all of that, maybe eventually I will hit that bedrock and it'll just be no fucks, you know, and that'll be it. So I am working my way down to the no fucks. And I'm hoping that it's there and that I will get there eventually. But that's kind of where I am right now. Just just I keep digging through it and I'm waiting mm-hmm. for the no fucks bedrock. <laughs>
0: no fucks bedrock. I love that. And at the real risk mm-hmm. of having you hurl something at me. Which <laughs> I, totally, totally. Like you have a free pass for what mm-hmm. I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily... An either, or, or a before and after. hmm So, <laughs> in a world <laughs> where <laughs> we Are you saying this isn't linear, Kelly? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying this is not linear. <laughs> so, where we, you know, want to choose magic, for real, then I don't think that the chipperness is something you're necessarily going to be without. Yeah. And I think that you're going to find a way to choose being chipper without being in denial. Yeah, and I think it will be a new kind of chipper, maybe with like a very strong no fucks flavor. But I think that that's still an essential part of who you are and it will come back to you in a new way.
1: Maybe. I hope so, because I liked that. I yeah. liked being bright sighty. I liked having a positive outlook.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, and I don't want to lose that. But no. yeah,
0: I, I think I think you'll find it again. I think it just might be a little different um but that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. you know so underneath that no fucks bedrock <laughs> maybe a whole new kind of chipperish
1: yeah well maybe i don't know i hope so i just got to crawl through it it's just been such a nightmare this whole thing know. you know has I been know. so awful and
0: i'm so sorry <sighs>
1: Well, you know, I mean, I had to, you have to go through it, right? What is it I teach in the writing stuff? No way out, but through, through. right? And then you got (laughs) no way out, but through and you go through and then you hit the dark moment where all seems lost. That's right. And then after that, you know, you have the big battle with whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. me and the no fucks bedrock and then we're there, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of hoping that eventually I will get there. You know, where, you where these things that come to me won't send me into this. Cause right now my stress response is from zero to 60 and nothing. As soon as something happens, I hit the roof, you know, I'm just, I'm so stressed and I'm so upset about all of this, stuff. And, um, I'd be so, worried yeah. if he weren't. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> It's good to know So my extreme stress response is actually a positive psychological
0: <laughs> I would think sign. so. Like, if I was like, how are you, Lonnie? And you were like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. I would oh, yeah. be seriously worried. Because <laughs> so that's, that's gonna... not what you hear. Whenever you ask no. me, I'm like,
1: I'm okay. <laughs> I'm getting through it. <laughs> yeah, which is good. Yeah. Which is good. I don't yes. know. All right, so that's the reflections. That's the homework. Now we got to go into the reading.
0: Can we say, hey, we had really long reflections? Ooh, <laughs> we read the chapter. Okay, closing quote. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think the fact that we want to do that
1: is probably a reason why we shouldn't. So tell me, because this is the chapter, like this is in the notes that you gave me. Like when we first started talking about BSY, we were back in Rising Strong and you went through everything and you said, this chapter kicks my ass every time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even want to look at this. And now I'm looking at it going, why in the holy fucking hell did I not combine this with another chapter? Right. So that we didn't have to focus on this. I mean, seriously? Yeah. What the hell? No, no. It has to be all by itself. (laughs) Like, damn it.
1: Well, let's let's talk about it. So what about this chapter, you know, killed you? Well,
0: the whole thing. Yeah. Like, I'm serious. This chapter makes my hands shake. I didn't even want to open the book. Um, Uh I think if I could have convinced myself that I was fully capable of actually losing a book Mm -hmm. and (laughs) never finding it again, Mm -hmm. Uh, because there was a time, there there was like a three-day period where I lost my copy of Big Magic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had the audio, but I couldn't find my Mm -hmm. printed copy with my notes in it, and I was going crazy. I found it under a stack of books, of Uh course. Yeah. If I thought I had the capacity to actually really lose a book <laughs>
1: or just would... rip out this chapter and be like, I don't know why it skips from chapter I, I seven to chapter nine, I don't know what happened. happened. Yeah, to those notes, oh, my Jesus copy, Christ. it's just that this chapter is gone. Yeah,
0: yeah, I would have done it. <laughs> um, this whole chapter, mm-hmm. like knowing that she was going to talk about this, I, I, like, this scares me so. On a podcast Mm -hmm. where I can talk about shame and fear and all of this personal development and Mm -hmm. open up my emotions (laughs) and cry and talk about being abused by my ex Mm -hmm. and being a single parent, all this crap. I can't talk about this. Like that, that's how I felt. Do you want me to talk about it
1: and I can talk about my response and then you can kind of respond to that? Would that make it easier?
0: That would be great. Okay. You go first, please. Let's go ahead and
1: jump through. I will talk about it. I will tell you all of my responses to this chapter and you can talk or not talk as you need to. You know, I have to fucking talk, but
0: you go first. That would be great.
1: (laughs) Well, I went through it and I was looking at the quotes that I, that I liked from it because we always pull out these quotes and mm-hmm. so some of the quotes that I pulled out was on page 140 she says losing yourself doesn't happen all at once losing yourself happens one no at a time you know yeah. and i think that relates specifically to her experience because she is talking very much about all the times that she said no you know to mm-hmm. things but i think that like that idea of losing yourself you know for me it happens one denial at a time you know it happens when when i say No, 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 it's all fine. Everything's okay, you know? So for me, that kind of spoke to me in that way specifically. But, you know, one of the things, like, what I wrote is I'm not ready to have this conversation. I mean, I'm not ready to have this conversation either. Like, this is a very difficult chapter. Being a woman in our culture means that you have been shamed about your body since you can remember, you know? The first time, like, I remember being called fat. I think I was maybe, I don't know, three five mm-hmm. you know my brother mm-hmm. loved to call me fat all the time you know oh and I remember when I was nine my mother bought me one of those like sweatsuits and it's not a sweatsuit like a sweatshirt and sweatpants that you go running in you know it was mm-hmm. like one of these things was like this elaborate garbage bag that you would just wrap around yourself you know and it was supposed to sweat the water weight out oh my god you know I was nine right Jesus. She got me a a one and she got her one and we wore them together. That was our mother daughter bonding, which will tell you pretty much everything you need to know about my relationship with my mother. Um, And the thing is, is that throughout my life, like I've had time periods where I was thin, you know, like I look back at pictures of myself when I was like in middle school, you know, I was thin, I was fine. There was nothing wrong with it, you know, but I never felt that way. Like I felt fat. I believed I was fat and ugly and unlovable. I looked at myself in the mirror and I saw an ugly fat girl. No matter what my size, my entire life, that is all that I saw. It was like a funhouse mirror, you know? Like I never look in the mirror and actually saw my reflection. I looked in the mirror and I would see my fear you know and now that i'm i'm you know in my mid 40s like i'm starting to look like my mother like how i remember my mother during this time period when she was really really awful to me and the thing is that my mother was like a physically pretty woman you know she was a model when she was younger she gained weight as she got older The way that we all do, because, you know, biology, because that's (laughs) women are made that way. So when women gain a little weight, fuck all y'all. It's fine. It's the way it's supposed to be. (laughs) But when I look in the mirror and I see her at my age, like, it makes me sick inside. I do not want to be her, you know? So actually losing weight this year, which was a result of the trauma, thanks, number two, um, you know, has made me feel a little bit better about that because I look less like her, you know, but still like, you know, but anyway, so I got to high school and I gained a little bit of weight, not much, you know, but by standards now, like I was perfectly fine, you know, I was perfectly within the normal range, but I felt fat and I felt shame and like Shonda, I put food on it, you know, and I like this thing that she says, um, where she goes on page 147, don't ever let anyone tell you that food doesn't work. Anyone who tells you that food doesn't work is either stupid or a liar or has never had food before. <laughs>
0: yeah, I marked that quote too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I absolutely love, you know, cause food yeah. works, it numbs, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but as Brene Brown taught us, you cannot selectively numb so you're numbing everything and you know in my chipper denial which i started at a very young age you know i tried like hell to selectively numb i worked at a grocery store and i would bring home like a bag of reese's peanut butter cups or a bag of doritos and just eat the whole damn thing downstairs in the basement just me and the mold and my shame where no one would see me you know (laughs) And, uh, and then, you know, when I got to college, I was so happy because I was free. You know, I was independent. I was living my life. I had a great time. I had a meal plan. I never ate in private where no one was watching. I was perfectly fine and normal. I walked everywhere, you know, because it was on campus. I weighed like 145 pounds, you know, and I thought I was fat. Um, oh I have been completely normal, like completely within the normal range at various times of my life, but I've never felt normal. I have always felt fat. There was always my brother's voice in my head telling me how fat and ugly I was, you know? And then, you know, I grew up. I got married. I had two babies, you know? Um and you gain weight when you have kids. It just happens. At my biggest, I was a size 16. You know, I haven't been a 12 since before I got pregnant for the first time right now, thanks to the horror and trauma diet, um, I, you know, which I don't recommend for anybody. No. I'm like, I'm no. a 14 now, so that's okay. You know, whatever. It's the average size, you know, fine. But it doesn't matter because I still feel fat all the time, like ugly, fat, unlovable, you know,
2: mm.
1: and I'm not ready to have this conversation like right now. If chocolate gives me comfort, I'm fucking having it. I don't eat much right now because I can't, because the horror of my life will not allow it. I feel sick to my stomach all the time, so I don't eat that much. But when I do eat, it is whatever is quickest, fastest, and most comforting. Nutrition has fuck all to do with it.
0: (laughs) What did she say on page 143 that people tried to tell her endorphins make you feel good? Yes. She's like, so does chocolate cake, fool. (laughs) Cake, fool.
1: You know, and, like, I can't eat much. I can't eat much at any one sitting, you know. But, like, what I eat is usually crappy and not good for me because I'm just – whatever is comforting is what I go for. But the thing is is that, like, you know, once I hit the no-fucks bedrock, I am also hoping that, like – You know, that this horror and this trauma is going to subside. And, you know, when it does, I'm going to have to deal with the way that I eat, the way that I put food on things. Like, I am going to gain weight again, you know, if I don't deal with that. And then I will look like my mother when I look in the mirror. And I am too fucking tired to work those issues out. Like, I just want to avoid them entirely. So, Right now, like, honestly, I am not ready to have this conversation. I'm not ready to talk about healthy body image and the way to think about food and all of that stuff. I'm not ready to see myself in a real mirror instead of the funhouse mirror. You know, which, by the way, I would just like to say, is not fun at all. It is really no. like a shithouse mirror. It is a mirror full of shit. And that is what I'm, I'm cursing so much. We're going to put like an extra explicit like rating on this, on this episode. <laughs> but, you know, like, I... I'm in no way ready to deal with the things that she talks about in this chapter. I'm just, I'm not there. Like, I can't deal with that yet. And I don't know if that's what you were feeling, you know, when you were reading it or, you know, how that was working out for you. But Uh, I just, I can't.
0: The whole thing for me is just, because it's not just about being overweight or Mm -hmm. it's not just about, you know, a certain body size or whatever. It's this whole idea of ugliness. Yeah. You know, or just being disconnected from it. And like on page 142, she said, my body is just the container I carry my brain around. Oh, my God.
1: I have felt that way my whole life.
0: Right. Yeah. And I was like, yes, my body is just the container I carry my brain around. in." Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And I know that it was not always that way. You know, I think babies come into the world thinking they're awesome yeah know, like <laughs> I, I know toddlers love every parts of themselves and I know so like at some we point, we teach
1: women to feel this way about themselves right? and it is so sick
0: it is so bad mm-hmm. and and like I was a dancer as a child mm-hmm. and so you spend a lot of time in leotards and mm-hmm. being evaluated and watched and like Shonda was talking about how the actors around yeah were the very first aware to of their bodies mm-hmm. that something was different you know because they had that awareness um and so maybe I was like hyper aware, I don't I don't know, but like my mother put me on my first diet. I think I was like 9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I look back at those pictures and I'm going, uh no, yeah. I was fine. Yeah. Like what the hell? It's crazy. You know, and then she put me on the Deborah provera birth control shot when I was a teenager
2: and uh-huh. like
0: my whole body went crazy. Oh, I mean, God. I you know, gaining weight and all kind of side effects and just terrible. It was awful. It oh, messed God. me up in a, in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. I have like the <laughs> the curvy, full-on body. And yeah. that started developing early. You yeah. know what I mean? me like, too. I call mm-hmm. this podcasting with boobs for a reason. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Like, that's just yeah. how
0: I'm built. And, mm-hmm. you know, even in as a young girl like in ballet or whatever like I my hips started curving out and Mm -hmm. like the boobs were coming and like yeah that's just how I'm made I am curvy and that's that's how I'm built um and it doesn't I don't know um line up well like with family expectations yeah um and and so it was always translated as wrong Mm -hmm. you know or Or fat or shameful or, dear God, cover up that cleavage. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even tell you, like, how many times I have heard that my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, But even if I was thin, there's still this, you know, this idea of being ugly. Like, and Mm -hmm. the two are so connected for me. Yeah. That, like, I... (sighs) It's not even one of those, like, oh, you have such a pretty face, lose weight. Like, I would not feel pretty no matter what my weight was. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this whole chapter is like an electric jolt of shame on every single page. And I just, like, yeah, why can't my body just be a container for my brain? Right. Like, I'm okay with that. Exactly. Like, I, I think it would be fine. Like, I don't, right. you know. And, but I did, like, on page 158. She said, stop berating and shaming and hiding yourself. Mm -hmm. Become one with your fat belly and love your body for all of its gifts. Mm -hmm. Spend your valuable years on this planet thinking about something other than your weight. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that would be fucking excellent advice if I had gotten it much younger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and if you could believe it, because you're so scarred. Oh, you know, by a certain point, you get so scarred by this that it's like, you just can't, I can't see anything else. When I look at myself in the mirror, like I just, I can't see anything else, but like ugly and fat, that's all I see.
0: And I look at you. I mean, my God, you're beautiful. I'm like, like seriously, or like, and and I have a hard time. First of all, I hate the word when it's used to me. Like I can't even, and, and I'm so cynical about it like this last guy that i was dating before we broke up he was really sweet yeah but like he was very attracted to me physically
2: mm-hmm.
0: i have a very difficult time with that like he was sincere it was obvious and i'm like dude sh- shut up like just you just
1: can't believe it can't right even mm-hmm.
0: and and like uh, that's not a good way to be either but because right, you I, are
1: beautiful I, 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 Sim, I, know uh, yeah. I know you hate the word. <laughs> I you know you hate the word. When you say it to me,
0: I'm like, just stop. Like, my hand literally just came up to tell you to stop. All right. like, and it's, it's so hardwired in. Yeah, I know. And so, but I thank God she had a couple of other quotes in here. That were not just directly about this. Um, So I'm like,
1: okay. So you found like the two quotes that weren't about that, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and and they are, but Mm -hmm. not quite as directly. Yeah. But I did think this one was interesting. Mm -hmm. And this quote on page 140 was actually kind of an aha for me. Yeah. But she said, I got into the habit of working as hard as I could all the time. Mm -hmm. My life revolved around work. And outside of work, I took the path of least resistance. I didn't have the energy for difficult conversations or arguments. So I smiled and let people get away with treating me however they wanted. Yep. And, like, I have done that mm-hmm. from jump. It's yep. like it's, and, and, you know, when when my son was growing up and when I was working, I wasn't exactly in what she calls an FOD, you know, a first, only, yeah. different. But, uh-huh. but there were some crossovers there. I think in your family, though, you were. In my family, I was. Yeah. But, like, for a while, I was director of learning technologies for a university. Mm-hmm. And I was the youngest director by, like, a lot yeah. of years. Because mm-hmm. I was in my 20s mm-hmm. when they gave me that job. And I was also the only woman mm-hmm. um, because this was organized in um, IT. So it was me and a whole bunch of guys. Yeah. And and so this this idea that she has about... You don't get a second chance, you have to work twice as hard. That was mm-hmm. really true, yeah, for mm-hmm. me in that space. Um, and I worked so many, hours. I mean, just crazy hours, mm-hmm. um, you know, and put so much into building that department and into mm-hmm. running it, and did some fantastic work. I mean, we did some amazing things, yeah, with that, but that the work came first you know it was Mm -hmm. the work and parenting and any idea of self-care or yeah I mean even just (laughs) concern over basic like if I was exhausted I would just take extra caffeine it didn't occur to me oh maybe you should go home and sleep right no like
1: (laughs) while you (laughs) were a single mom raising a kid by yourself I mean that's so incredible
0: well but it was exhausting was what it was sure but I felt at work so in charge and empowered Mm -hmm. and in my zone just like Mm -hmm. Shonda talks about but not at work I didn't feel that way at all and Mm -hmm. so the path of least resistance did not include tons of self-care great nutrition exercise and sleep right Uh you know so it has just always kind of gone on the back burner and then this this total separation of like that part of yourself Like Mm -hmm. that quote that you pulled from page 141, where she said, losing yourself does not happen all at once. Yeah. You know, and and I think that that might have been true for her. I don't think it was true for me. Mm -hmm. I think that that was true for me the minute I became a mom. Right. Because I put everything else on the back burner. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I I did that intentionally, Mm -hmm. um, not quite understanding what I was doing. And so to try to come back to this idea of self, you know, or like, loving yourself or whatever like oh my god don't even like i can't (laughs) i can't even (laughs) i'm
1: sorry does loving yourself make you uncomfortable dr jones (laughs) oh yes just
0: just a little but i mean now this body is about to turn 40 y'all three weeks Mm -hmm. it's about to turn 40 and it looks it and it feels it And I'm like, can I go back and have all this great self-awareness like in my fucking 20s? Right. That would be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So, and and this, God, like this idea of lovability Mm -hmm. tied up with this at the same time Mm -hmm. is so awful. And it just feels like this is something I can't even begin to overcome. Mm -hmm. Like I can read this chapter and feel knotted up. And almost panicked and tried to talk about it. But as yeah. far as actually doing something with it mm-hmm. or setting a good example or being a badass, like there is no badass going on here, <laughs> baby. None. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't know, man. This was, it's just really hard and it's it is. really ugly.
1: Yeah, it's it's difficult. And I think that a lot of women and I'm sure some men, I mean, you know, one of the things that happens, you know, when we have these discussions is that we we talk about it from the perspective of, you know, the the women, you know, and 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 that we look at it. Because of the very specific challenges that we have to face, you know, culturally and everything that we've been taught from the time that we were little, you know, the fact that, that your mother put you on a diet when you were nine, that my mother gave me a sweatsuit so I could lose some weight when I was nine, you know? That was just sick. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's this, but I, I'm sure that men have some of these issues too, and men have to deal with that as well. So, I mean, I don't want to use terribly gendered language, but I think that women are kind of under constant cultural assault from so many different directions. And one of them is, you know, this idea that you have to be, you know, this particular size and you have to look this particular way. And on top of all of the other ways in which we are trying to succeed, you know, as professionals and as people and all of that, like we are expected to have bodies that look like the bodies on television and in magazines. And the thing is, is that not everybody has a body. I mean, some women do, some women are thin. You know, some women are naturally thin and they have that. Mm -hmm. And then they get told that they're not real women, quote unquote. You know, it's like it doesn't matter. It's that same thing from like, you know, who do you think you are to not good enough? Right. Right. You know, it's the same thing for women. It's like if you're naturally thin, then people treat you like you're not, quote unquote, real, you know. And if you're curvy, you know, and you have like fat on your body. You know, which, by the way, women are kind of built to have, like, biologically, we're built to hold on to fat so that we can, like, have babies and stuff. I mean, there's so many reasons why biologically that's how our bodies are built, you know? And so you look at all this stuff and it's like, we are set up to fail no matter what. You're either thin and not real, you know, or you've got a little weight on you, you've got a little heaviness, and now you're just, you know, fat, ugly, and lovable. And all of it is bullshit, but it's something that is so ingrained from such a young age, you know, that we don't, we don't get that sense of like, I am awesome. And one of the things, you know, she kept talking about, this is my body is just a container that carries my brain around. Like I have always felt that way. I have always, you know, kind of gravitated toward that idea because I always liked my brain. I liked yeah. the way I thought. I liked the way Me I too. engaged with the world intellectually, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I respected that about myself. And it was the only way, it was the only, like, space where I could feel safe was right. if my body didn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, like, you know, I mean, there are times where I've felt, I mean, most of my life I've felt, Ugly and unlovable because I wasn't, you know, 112 pounds, you know, because like, I, I, I will never be 112 pounds. My boobs themselves, I was a double D at 15. Like my 18. boobs are 20 pounds on yeah. their own. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like, I was a double D at 14. So yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah. And, but even with that, I'm telling you, it's still different. And I, I don't know if this is a Southern thing or if it's just my family, but most of my cousins are uh-huh. beautiful yeah and I mean like really pretty and there's this this kind of um there's this thing in in Georgia uh, this joke it's like ten to one in Atlanta uh-huh. where there's ten women for every man. Um, and it's 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 and most of them are are gorgeous mm-hmm. um, and most of the women in my family are very pretty I mean, most of my cousins are beautiful, effortlessly so just just very pretty. Mm-hmm. and I am not and have never looked like them. Right. Um, um, even
1: well, I would argue. I, I know you hate it, uh, and I'm sorry, but I think you're beautiful.
0: Well, you love me. No. It's different. But I'm oh just, my well, god. Okay. <laughs> so the message that I received from childhood. I understand. I was understand. That I was not, and I don't look like them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and that is a a virtue that is valued higher than any of my brains or creativity or Mm -hmm. or or smart assery which I would argue should reign higher yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) right well because physical beauty like you're born with what you're born with you know like if you're born physically beautiful or whatever but like smart assery is something you have to work
0: I mean come on do you really want to sit there and look at somebody or do you want to laugh Uh, right like come on dude so just saying but like I don't know how to ever, ever shake that. It just feels like part of who I am, yeah. and I don't like it. I mean, it feels like a huge gaping weakness, and and I wish that it was not the case. But it kind of feels like part of me.
1: Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, it's so ingrained from such a young
0: age. Yeah, you know. But maybe there's hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe I can learn a little. I don't know. Um. But there was a quote on page 146. It mm-hmm. was like the only thing of the whole chapter that did not make me just feel sick. Oh, baby. So I <laughs> thought this would be the last one that I pulled. Mm-hmm. Um, Shonda said, the year of yes, I realize, has become a snowball rolling down a hill. Mm-hmm. Each yes rolls into the next, into the next. And the snowball is growing and growing and growing. Every yes changes something in me. Every yes is a bit more transformative every yes sparks some new phase of evolution. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, if transformation is what it's all about, mm-hmm. then maybe this area has some hope too. Yeah. I don't know how the hell to do it. <laughs> like, seriously, I have no I idea. But I'm not alone in it, and that's comforting. Because no. I look at you and I think, oh, my God, you're gorgeous. And oh, so, please. like, knowing that you feel that way, then I think, okay, well, if you have a broken lens, then Mm -hmm. maybe I do too. But it's, I like, I don't know. If anyone listening has figured this shit out, yeah, please, for the love of God, tell us how to do it.
1: I honestly, like, I have to say, I've known many amazing women throughout my life. And I know a lot of them now. I'm speaking to one at the moment, you know? And so am I. I don't know that. I don't think I know anybody who's got it handled, you know, because it is so destructive and it is from birth, you know, and we're given these messages, you know, from birth. And how do you combat that? And I mean, I have two daughters, you know, and I've spent uh, without knowing how to combat this, without knowing, like, I have tried to instill in them, you know, a a confidence in themselves and a faith in themselves. But I know that when I tell them they're beautiful, they do the same thing. They're not comfortable with it. You know, like my older daughter, you know, I told her the other day, like both of my daughters are like, I mean, beautiful. Like, yeah, really you know, are. Fish and I, I got to say, our combined genes are good genes. <laughs> yes, like y'all a you know, very
0: pretty baby.
1: He's a good looking guy. I'm, you know, okay. But like, between the two of us, <laughs> oh my we God. made beautiful girls, like classically beautiful girls, you know? And, and I told my older daughter this one day, you know, and she was, she just could not, she was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you're classically beautiful. Like, you know that, right? And she was like, no, I'm funny looking. And I'm like, uh, no, you know, and looking at her, I was like, how could you possibly ever think? But then look at the world we live in. How could she possibly not think that? Every woman thinks that about themselves, which is just beyond my comprehension.
0: When you, you, and for me, it's even harder. Mm -hmm. Like someone who loves me will say I'm beautiful and I'm like, Mm -hmm. whatever. But when it's a specific compliment, yeah, that's even worse. Yeah. Because it's a specific thing that mm-hmm. someone else sees, and I'm like, why is this person being so nice to try that hard to say something that you Right, know but what I you mean? think they're lying. I don't like think you they're think that lying, they're or that they, that they don't see you clearly
1: by... because yeah. they love you. Right. right. But I mean that's you know, but the, I mean, do you see how messed up that is? Yeah. <laughs> I
0: do when you say
1: <laughs> right, but you know, like, but the thing is, is that you tell me this stuff, and I'm like, oh Jesus, like I, you know, I'm not a pretty, like I've never considered myself to be a pretty woman, like you oh, know, I mean, I'm just like I don't think that I'm pretty, like I'm I'm average looking, I think, which is fine, you know, because I don't care, but, <sighs> but it is so, it's so like fucking destructive, this, mm. this value that we place first of all in our physical beauty, and this inability we have to see anything like beautiful in ourselves you know it's we're so critical when we look in that mirror and it is a shithouse mirror I don't think that you're seeing yourself clearly and you know probably I'm not seeing myself clearly either it's just it's such a mess and I like honestly like here we are talking about this chapter and I feel like you know it's one of these things like you were talking about how like we have to be like these moral compasses for people or whatever which is crazy right but I feel like <laughs> I should gonna read happen, this baby. chapter <laughs> right <laughs> I read this chapter. I'm talking on this podcast that I should have something to say that will be valuable to people, that will be helpful to people. And all I yeah. can say is that I am as lost as anybody when it comes to this stuff. And the thing that makes me crazy, too, is I think about all the like amazing women I've known in my life who I think are amazing and beautiful and wonderful and vibrant. And they say the same thing to a yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know anyone who can be comfortable with acknowledging her own beauty you like, know and okay that's so i was looking weird at
0: the, the paperback mm-hmm. um of year of yes so i have the audiobook but i also have the paperback because i have to write right uh uh-huh. cuss yeah. words all the way through it and she has a section of photographs yeah in here and i remember thinking like this is my honest thought when i picked up the book if you have to include full color photographs to write a memoir there's no way in hell I'm ever doing it Uh. like I (laughs) just like that was immediately where my brain went Mm -hmm. and you know like maybe this is something to learn from her because I think by the time we get to the end of the book she gets to a really good place yeah she does with this but um, and she's beautiful. I mean, she is oh so my beautiful. God. Oh my god, she's stunning. Yes. You know, she is. But when I look at you, I see that too. So this trigger. And homework. when I look at you, I see that. Yeah, stop it. Oh. So <laughs> when <laughs> we're supposed to be assigning each other the yes, right? Yeah. The homework. Uh huh. So when I was listening to you, I thought, you know, there's this great collection of videos by this very brilliant woman that I know that you can go and watch online and they're fantastic and some of them are about really cool things like buffy mm-hmm. and she's great and she's gorgeous and she does really well in video and so maybe for homework you could like watch yourself on some of those oh, videos oh baby
1: i edit those videos i watch myself <laughs> constantly there and will be no
0: interrupting time. of the homework assignments okay Zip it. <laughs>
2: Do okay not
0: dr jones i'm interrupt. sorry While homework is in session. So you can pick a few and watch them. Not editing them, damn it. Watch them like a viewer. Watch them like a reader. And see, pick out three things, one, two, three, about your physical presence that you can appreciate. And speak to with some loving kindness and say, I really like how I smile. I really like my eyes. I really like how the sunlight catches my face. I don't give a holy goddamn... Watch them and pick out three things. Oh, Jesus. Okay, this idea,
1: this idea I had about having you assign me homework, I'm beginning to regret. <laughs> hey, your idea, at baby. At this point. Your, at this point.
0: Your idea. My idea. Okay, you well, you what? You knew what you, know you were what? getting into. You know what, though? You know who you're dancing with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's
1: the thing with assigning you homework on this. Mm-hmm. You this makes you so uncomfortable. And I kind of want to make you do the same thing. I kind of want to make you find three things about yourself that are beautiful. But, like, I feel bad about it because I know how much you'll hate that. <laughs>
0: See, you're, this is the difference between us. I <laughs> revel in the <laughs> discomfort that I'm placing you in. I find joy in this. And you are such an empath. And you're like, oh, baby, I'm going to give you some homework. I don't want to make really you hard. feel
1: bad. But I think that, like, when oh. I look at pictures of you, Oh. Like, you know, cuz there was one you gave me a while back that you had to like you wanted to get some stuff out of the background so you could put it on your Twitter photo. And it was so beautiful. Oh you know, God. and you have such a lovely smile. You've such a lovely presence. Your eyes are amazing. Oh. You know, like but like okay, <laughs> but I'm gonna, my
0: eyes so hard right now. You have no idea.
1: I'm going to do that though. Okay? <laughs> like I hate doing it because I hate making you uncomfortable, but I think that you should look at like I'll I'll look at videos you know, whatever of me. I've got to record like five of them tomorrow, so I'll do it tomorrow. (laughs) Um, But like... You know, and it's funny too, because like I don't particularly care for the way I look, but I've been doing these videos since I started Chiprish. I went to video. We, we I'd always done podcasts before that. Mm-hmm. And I went to video during this year and I don't know why. There's something about video I mean, first of all, I like working in video. That's you know, I've trained in television
0: and um and I really I like working it? in video. I like Because you're fantastic at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever.
1: Um I like mm-hmm. editing. I like I also like looking at people like i feel like i'm connecting with people when i talk to them you know through the video so it's it's very strange for me that i choose this video format for most of my podcasts you know Mm -hmm. um then i release them also as podcasts but um but what i want you to do is i want you to pick out three photos of yourself um like the pictures that you use for like you know twitter for like your profiles or whatever and I want you to share with me your, like, your three favorite photos and find something in them that is beautiful. Mm. Yeah, see, I can do uh, it. I'm not so much of an empath that I can't do that.
0: Damn it. Ugh. <laughs> three fucking pictures?
1: Three pictures. And if you uh, don't have three, then I want you to take one.
0: Uh Damn it. <laughs> fine next week you're going first assigning homework and then I'm going to hit you with something okay
1: and then you're going to hit me with something awful all right All right. (laughs) but you know I mean it is it is a struggle but like I want you to try to see what I see and what other people see you know I want you to just try to do that Mm -hmm.
0: my arms are crossed and I'm giving you the southern woman Uh (laughs) uh-huh thanks right now (laughs) oh bless
1: your
2: heart (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> arms are crossed over my boobs. Okay. Oh, baby. That is how much I'm rolling my eyes at you right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bless your <her> heart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. We are most active on Twitter, so follow hashtag big, strong, yes for announcements and discussion. Follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones. You can also email us at bsy at com.
0: And if you like Big Strong Yes, here's how you can support the show. Review us on Apple Podcasts, tweet at us with the hashtag Big Strong Yes, and support Chipperish at Patreon.com Chipperish, which also gets you access to the Discord chat, which is an amazing place to talk about the stories you love
1: yes and people in the discord chat have been asking for homework so i think we may open up a homework discord chat for people who want to do these assignments with us
0: Oh, that would be so cool
1: so yeah so that's going to be something we're going to add into the discord chat and uh, you guys can get access to that if you go to patreon.com slash
0: homework makes me happy <laughs> except for mine right <laughs> so each week we end with a closing quote this week, it's my turn, and I pulled an excerpt from this wonderful book, The Dharma of the Princess Bride by Ethan Nectarn, kind of in this idea of learning from people who are not perfect and learning from teachers even if they're not intentionally teaching us, and I thought that this, this quote was really cool. He said, My heroes are imperfect. Yes, they have wisdom. They know their subject thoroughly, but the best teachers are always still learning and they help us glimpse the invisible bridge between confusion and wisdom. Confusion and wisdom are never completely separate experiences. Rather, they are merely different vantage points of the same human experience. We experience life from both perspectives all the time. Big Strong Yes is a Chipperish Media production and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To find out how you can support Big Strong Yes and everything Chipperish Media does, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Thanks, y'all.